0: morning, church. You know, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul really does cry out, hallelujah. I am so thankful that God saved me, uh, that he woke me up this morning, that he has provided for our family, that we have a roof over our head. And that while health challenges come every now and then, He's allowed us to evade a whole lot of health challenges. And when I look out into the Walker Auditorium today, I am that much more grateful to the Lord because He's given some people alongside whom I can walk in this life. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, I'm grateful. And so today is the day that the Lord has made. Psalm 118 and 24 says, we rejoice and we are glad in it. And the Bible does say, as they sung in that first song, that you can come on and move your body. <laughs> because he's given us the activities of our limbs, the elders would say "When I was, I was coming up. And so we get to give back to him with the use of what he's given us. In honor and reverence to a holy God, without whom we wouldn't be here, without whom we'd have no chance at living any kind of successful life, whatever success might mean for you. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that He's done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! And I'm thankful that He saved me. My name is Paul, and I am privileged to be the pastor of this congregation. It is great to see every single one of you. Here today. um, Even those who are live streaming, thank you for joining us. We are grateful that you chose to spend an hour of your time with us this morning. And I trust that you've already been met with the love of Jesus Christ at the door, in the parking lot, and certainly through the worship experience here. Everything about who we are and what we do is about pointing you to Jesus Christ, because he is the one who makes the difference, all the difference. And as Will mentioned, We have some not guests with us today, I can't call them that at all, some folks who we spent the better part of seven years with serving as members of Grace Covenant Church in Chantilly, and then beyond that seven years, two years on staff at Grace Covenant Church as the small group's pastor, Um, and who are the most generous people I've come into contact with. And I'm sure there are some really generous folks out there in the body of Christ, but I've not seen or witnessed any as generous as Grace Covenant Church. And this weekend, we had about 15 or so who came here to our city, embraced it as their city too, and served, as Will mentioned, this community here at Walker. They walked on UVA grounds, and then I left. They wandered. I don't know where they went, but they were all over the city praying for us and for the city and how timely, given the events of this week, that they were able to come join their faith with ours as we exist to see people reconciled to God and each other. And so, Grace Covenant Church, Carlene, I start calling names, that's not a good idea. Sean, <laughs> I'm talking about the folks who were here yesterday. Hannah Beth, Pastor Garrison, Sophie, let's see how I do. Arnell, y'all not here, where are y'all in the back? Oh, Janine. Who'd I miss? All of y'all. All of y'all. That's, a, that's a safe bet. God knows your name. You were here yesterday. I mentioned Sean. All of you who came when you could have been on a Saturday in March doing a little bit something different. March Madness is happening. Of course, 745 tonight is really the most important time on the men's side of the ball. But we, we are grateful that you came, and teammates matter. Ashley Moss, good to see you grateful for you too. And as I see you randomly throughout the sermon, I might just call your name because you matter. Thank you for coming and thank you for showing your love. And more importantly, Christ's love through you for us and for the people of Charlottesville. We are grateful. And I hope that the next time we do something like this, which there will be, um, that you join your faith with ours in participating in giving out of the resources that God has blessed us with. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, the book of Ephesians, and we're going to look at chapter 4, uh, verse 16. We're continuing in our series entitled Reconciled to Each Other. I mentioned here at Victory Church, we exist to see people reconciled to God and each other. And we began the year on January 6th, which was our first weekly service here with a sermon series entitled Victorious Living. In the month of February, we looked at what it means to be reconciled to God, and this month, we're looking at what it means to be reconciled to each other. As Will mentioned, all of the notes are on the mobile app. You can find it at Victory Seville on Google Play and the Apple Store, um, and you can take notes there as as well, as well as listen to the podcast. Ephesians 4, we're looking at verse 16 solely today. Lord, help us as we study your word. Open up our eyes so that we might see all that you have for us in your law. Unless you open our eyes, we can't see. Deepen our understanding. Let it go just from a head knowledge 12 to 18 inches lower into a heart knowledge that it can be a lived reality in our lives, not just today, but Monday through Saturday, where through you we can be saved completely, Hebrew says, from the power of sin in the earth as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The title of the message today is Get to Work. Get to Work. I mentioned having lived in Northern Virginia for a little bit. I'm looking out into the crowd, and there's so many stories I want to tell. Um, So that's part of me gathering my thoughts in this uh, moment, to not have you here for three hours, though we can certainly do that if you'd like. Uh, And while we were in Northern Virginia, uh, living there, this is prior to the two years that we served on staff, but this is pre-2011. My sister, I'm one of four children, the youngest of four, my oldest brother here, is here today. Chucky, my big bro, uh, is here. Youngest of four kids. And my sister, her husband Paul and their children, every second Sunday would host chicken and waffles at their house. That's been kind of a theme. If you've not been here, I think <laughs> at some point we might just have to have a chicken and waffle brunch, something. I hear some amens from the crowd. Can you cook it? Can you work it out? Yeah, we can. Um, we need to do something like that. But she, she would do chicken and waffles every second Sunday of the month. And Uh, family, biological, spiritual family would show up to her house and she would just host. And people would bring things like, you know, uh, some side dishes, some salad, uh, some desserts, whatever it was they would bring um, to make this meal, the meal and the fellowship, the fellowship. I brought the ice. Any of y'all ice folks at gatherings? Are you asked to bring? No. Okay. So you can come because we'll need that help. I was the ice guy. Right, and, and there was so much about that role, at least initially, that I would say, Well, Juan, come on, I can I can do I can bring something. Can I bring something a little more? She's like, No, Paul, really ice is it's really was useful. We need it. And I'm like, okay. But when I got to her house every single time on a second Sunday, with my two bags of ice in tow, Wanda would meet me at the door and say, Oh, thank goodness, Paul. I'm so glad you brought this ice. So I went from ice. That's all I can bring to, oh, this matters. People's drinks are colder because I'm here. (laughs) Yogurt is cool. I mean, this, I can now enjoy this fellowship because I have a role in what's happening here. And the little brother in me, I was 30 at the time. There's something even about my bigger siblings to this day that I'm like, oh, wow, you're proud of your little bro. Great. I got some, I'll bring some more ice next time. (laughs) I had a role to play. And I would guess that in any groups that we occupy, certainly myself, whether it's uh, if I'm in a group, whether it's a work group or it's coaching basketball, which I love to do when I can, or uh, maybe in your own respective spheres of influence, class groups, if we have any commerce students, you work in groups all the time. Part of the challenge slash opportunity is to figure out as a group member where you fit Right. And if you are running it, like if I'm instructing a class and I'm facilitating small group discussion, what people's roles are and making those roles clear and making them such that they can embrace them and feel like they're taking part in something that's greater than themselves. It's a challenge slash opportunity, but it can be difficult and there can be points of tension that we hope to unpack a little bit in the next two hours that we have today from this text. The truth is sometimes we can find ourselves feeling like, what do I have to offer? Or on the other hand, wait, I have this to offer. Why can't you offer the same thing? And our text suggests today that when you get to work, we get to grow. When you get to work, we get to grow. Some context, the Apostle Paul, you can tell I really like the Works of Apostle, the epistles of the Apostle Paul. I promise I'll preach for more than Corinthians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians someday, 2020. But the Apostle Paul, a giant of a man, a little short guy, but a giant of a man, wrote this book of Ephesians, uh, it is believed, during his imprisonment in Rome, AD 60 through 62, 64. And he had spent time, though, in the city of Ephesus on his second missionary journey. And then, of course, on his third missionary journey, when he actually planted the church there and spent three years there, longer than any other time that he had spent at any other church. But when he wrote this letter to them, he was in prison. And so he sent this letter on to the city of Ephesus with uh, with a guy by the name of Tychicus, who he believed was a faithful minister of the gospel. Ephesus was a popular place. It was a commercial city. It's if you think Asia Minor kind of modern day Turkey it had a lot going on by way of wealth running through it but also a lot going on by way of things that were not pleasing to the Lord. In this book of Ephesians the letter written by Paul can be divided into two parts. The first 3 chapters Paul is very much speaking about doctrine concerning God's divine purpose in Christ and the believers position in Christ. The last three chapters, he then gets a bit more practical, which is where we're going to situate ourselves this morning, concerning how believers ought to live in light of that position in Christ. So he's writing this letter really to expand the horizons of the believers in the city of Ephesus, but also believed to be the churches even around that city of Ephesus so that they could better understand the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and his grace. He was there to encourage the believers to be fruitful followers of Christ And to serve in unity and in love, particularly when they were being persecuted. And so here in chapter four, four, the Apostle Paul, he's instructing the church uh, and the church is around Ephesus about unity and maturity in the body of Christ. Which brings us to verse 16 that we've read this morning. Verse 16 starts with these two words, which is critical. From him speaking of Christ, everything begins with Christ. Our vision, as you've heard over and over again purposefully, is that we are here to be reconciled to God and to each other. And even the ordering of that statement is quite purposeful because we have no chance at reconciling to each other if there is no plugging into the source, the reconciler himself, Jesus Christ. So we begin there from him, Then we can move forward. Ephesians 2, going back a couple of chapters, verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups, then speaking in context of the Jews and the Gentiles, made them one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And similarly, for us to bridge the gaps that can so easily divide us, the power of the one who conquered death and the grave must be our relied upon source. And so here, the Apostle Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus that the extent to which every part of the body does its work is the extent to which the body can grow. When you, when I get to work, then we get to grow. I studied sports medicine in college. Um, Clearly, I got weeded out because I went a whole nother direction, but I loved it. Human anatomy, exercise physiology, motor development, motor learning, you name it. I loved reading about the miracle that is God's handiwork in us. And I can remember calling my mother and saying, Mom, I will never complain to you again. Because <laughs> she remembered how much I did. And she said, well, okay, tell me. what do you... Mom, remember how I used to say if I was a little bit taller? <laughs> If I was 6'4", what I could do on the basketball court, or if I didn't have these bow legs, mom, what I could do, and on and on and on, if I, if I, if I, mom, what could I do? Remember, I am so sorry. After reading and studying a little bit and realizing just what it would take for me to pick up this bottle of water and take a drink, and it not do this, when I picked up the bottle of water, it's a miracle that that doesn't happen more often, but that's the God we serve. The concentric, the eccentric contractions that take place in our, i mess, that take place every time we have to take a step, the handiwork of God that allows me to do even the most minute of things. God, I won't complain, and instead of complaining, now it's, Lord, I thank you. For every bit of movement and activity, as I referenced earlier, of my limbs, I can lift my voice to you. You're giving me that opportunity to shout with joy to the Lord. Psalm 47, to clap my hands, and I can clap my hands. And whatever it is that we are able to do, God, I give it back to you with thanksgiving. Mom, I won't complain anymore. And y'all know I'm not alone in that, right? We might have some moments where we're like, if I, if I could do this, if I were this, if I played like Tyler, if I could sing like Chantel, if I could do an offering message like Will Taylor, maybe then in the body of Christ, I'd have something to offer. Might I encourage you in that nothing about our makeup is useless from the physical body in into how we function as the church, which is the body of Christ. Everything about how we're wired participates in our overall functioning of our body. Every muscle, every tendon, every nerve, every artery, every vein plays a critical role in every aspect of every single day. But the first point of tension, nobody slip on this when you come up, please. Uh, Worship team, when you come up after. The first point of tension in this text that I really want to highlight is how we might respond or posture ourselves similarly about our contribution in the church. Well, God, if I, if I came up on maybe the other side of the tracks, maybe then I could offer something to you. Or maybe if I was from this zip code, Lord, then maybe I can, be, I can fit in a little more at UVA. Or if my parents were this or they were that, then maybe, maybe then I could give something As unto the Lord. Might I suggest to you strongly Psalm 139 and 14, just to start, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, Ephesians 2 and 10, his handiwork created to do good works. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says it this way I knew you before you were in your mother's womb, and before you were born, I set you apart you are called. There is something unique about you that without which the body of Christ isn't the body of Christ and can't grow up into maturity. He's called you to get to work. And when you get to work in the ways he's uniquely designed you, when I get to work in the ways he's uniquely designed me, then we, as a body of Christ, we can grow. And when we grow, when we mature, then we can see others or make God more recognizable in us so they can see him and be reconciled to him. And when they're reconciled to him, then we have a chance at being reconciled to each other. Can we say amen Amen. to that? God, through his word, resolves this tension created by insecurities that convince us at times that we've got nothing to say or nothing to offer. He says, no, you're a supporting ligament. You're an ACL. You're an IT band. You are a lateral meniscus, which I tore. Achilles tendon, you matter. You matter in keeping the bonds together tightly within the body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and just tell them, when you get to work, we get to grow. Look at the other neighbor and say, I need you. Now, the related tension, I do. I need, I need you, right? Like, I'm better because of you. The related tension there, though, is if you've ever been a part of a group, as I referenced or alluded to kind of briefly earlier, there's this kind of tendency or at least uh, uh, a temptation to then make, to dictate the work of all of the parts of that group. None of y'all like that. It's always everybody else in the group. It's never you that's saying... You know, I'm a really good hearer. Just for example, look at 1 Corinthians 12. If you're an ear, you're never saying to the person, Why don't you hear better? 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 That's never you. But that happens, or it can be a temptation to happen when somebody is a foot saying, I kick, man. That's what I do. Or I'm a hand. That's what I do. But that is a tension that I think can be resolved with this particular text as well. As the Lord built his church using our hands and feet, those of us who already have a relationship with him. And those of us considering it, we are not called to make people to look like us. I'm not called to stand here every weekend and make you look like Paul Harris. That would do a disservice to you. Nor are you called to make anybody look like you. Rather, we're called to reflect Jesus for you to then look like him. Because if you look like me, you'd be jacked up, right? So you want to look like him. First Corinthians 12 and 17 says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? He's not looking for clones in the body of Christ. Our goal is not to make people look like us, but rather reflect Jesus well and help them look like him. Now, I have to say somewhat parenthetically, and if you've been here a while, you know I can have a long parenthetical, uh, but just insert this parenthetical statement. This isn't a passive endorsement of sin, right? This idea of who you are and how God uniquely wired you to come into this space. We make it's all true. But if you came to me and said, Pastor Paul, look, every time I go to the mall, I got to steal me a new pair of Jordans, man. And I'm good at it. <laughs> but it's just how God wired me, man. I'm just. No, that's sin. <laughs> Turn away. Follow Jesus. Close that parenthetical statement, not an endorsement of that, but it is to say, God, you've uniquely wired everyone in this room to say something and to offer something. Help me help you help us to make room for the gifts of the body of Christ, because when we do, then we get to grow when each part is doing its work. My wife, who's an amazing, amazing writer, might be a little biased as her husband, but she is an amazing writer. And Amen. Yeah, yeah, see? It's not just me. No. An amazing writer. Right? So I, I would never attempt to do what she does. I'd fall on my face if I did. But we want to make room for her to do what she does because when we make room to be who she is, as the first lady, and not what we expect her to be, as the, then then we can grow up to be the mature body of Christ. Troy Savage, when his calm, I don't know where he is, he's here somewhere, smart. Uh, calm, measured demeanor walks into the room. We are much better for that. When Kate is asking questions about details on operations in Victory Church, when I'm like, oh, we are much better for having that. When I when, when, and we can go around the room, Joseph Williams, who just kind of quietly, Dr. Joseph Williams, quietly goes about managing the, the equipment in the, in the trailer and does so with a humble spirit committed. I say, man, we are better For having Joseph in this space and what he brings here. And we can go around the room and thank everyone in the room. But suffice it to say, everyone and the gifts you bring when you work, when you get to work, then we get, then we get to grow. First Corinthians 12 and 7 says, now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Um, two points of tension one related to the last one and this kind of then another one Um, it's kind of intuitive or or somewhat commonsensical if you will but I think what we can often have a tendency to do also is see in others their lack of our strengths right like you can see what you're good at that's easy (laughs) because you're good at it (laughs) But can you see maybe what strengths they have and how might we, First Thessalonians, talk about this, build one another up, encourage one another in the strengths that they have so that we can become the body of Christ, a more mature body of Christ. The other point of tension here is that it's for the common good. Our attention is on the greater, which, yes, flies very countercultural, as does everything in our faith, to what we typically experience. Just watch TV. Look at the commercials. Look at just walk down the street and look at billboards. Or Everything is about what you can get, how things are going to benefit you. And yet here we're seeing, no, when you serve and when you get to work, it actually isn't about you. It's about supporting your brother or sister who needs you. And the body of Christ that is needed sorely in a community that so desperately, though may not realizing it, needs our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians 2 says it this way, value others in humility above yourselves. Ephesians 4 and 2 says, be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. It's not about us as much as it is about the whole body growing. Ephesians again, chapter 2, verse 22 says, in him... You two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I don't know about you, but I want God to dwell here. And for that to work well, we've got to be built together. When you get to work, we get to grow. That's the kingdom plan. And it's a really good countercultural plan to ascribe to because Job 44 and 40, I'm messing, Job can't remember the chapter and verse, it'll come back to me. And also in Isaiah 14 and 27, no plan of God can be thwarted. So it's a good kingdom plan to get on. We win when we join into the plan of God. When we grow, we make him more recognizable. And when we make him recognizable, others can be reconciled to him. And when they're reconciled to him, then we have a chance at being reconciled to one another. I beg you, whether it's here at Victory or not, the C Church needs you to get to work so that we as a body of Christ can mature. Here at Victory Church locally, there are three, word, three ways that we love to get to work, one of which I want to highlight just for a moment. We have a Sunday morning service every week as we understand it to be a biblical mandate not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and so we do so We don't have a midweek or a Bible study sort of throughout the week, uh, which is wonderful. It's how I grew up. But we've intentionally here said, you know what? We're going to have victory groups across the city where people can gather to support each other, to hold each other accountable, to study the word of God together, to pray together, to pray for your communities together so that parts of the body can get some practice being parts of the body, living life. This is great. Don't get me wrong. But you know where life really happens? It happens at Panera with Olivia. It happens in Holly Me with Troy and Chantel. It happens on JPA with Mary and Ray. It happens in Brookwood with Joanne Boyle. It happens in Lake Monticello with Tim and Linda. It happens in Greenstone with a guy named Paul Harris on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. That's where the parts of the body can start to see, oh, man, I'm better for being around you, even though at times it kind of hurts But iron sharpening iron is never said to be a comfortable thing all the time. But here I see how I fit the work I can do and how I'm needed and how we're built up together as a body of Christ maturing, which has nothing to do, I'm digressing a little bit, for me with how big the crowd is, though certainly we want souls to be one to him and we will celebrate that all day, every day, as much as it has to do with us not remaining infants, if you go back a few verses in Ephesians 4 being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That's why we need each other to get to work, so we can grow up and be mature in the body of Christ and see a city that so desperately needs transformation transformed not by our work, but by the power of Jesus Christ. Today, after service, uh, Kate and Will and others mentioned that we'll have all six of the victory groups available, and I would love for you to go and connect with them, if for nothing else, to say Why? you do this? Whether or not I join your group, why do you do it and how has it made a difference in your life? Because that's the prayer that you, me, would get to work. Because when you get to work, then we get to grow. Can we pray? Lord, I thank you so much for our time this morning, the time that you ordained for us to Encourage each other about the work that you have uniquely designed and wired us to do, and the work God that you have called us to to make room for others to also do the work that they do and to do it as unto you and for the common good you've called us to speak the truth in love to each other you've called us to bear one another up with patience and humility and kindness you've called us to be built up in you so that in us, collectively, your Holy Spirit will dwell. That's our desire today. God, I pray that you'd open the eyes of each and every one of us, whether it's those who have yet to really say to you, God, I want to (laughs) work for you, or those, God, who might be on the sidelines saying, I don't know that I have anything to offer, or those who get overly frustrated because everybody else isn't just like them. Open our eyes to see, God, how might we get to work, as one translation of this text says, working properly so that the body of Christ can be built up. With eyes closed and heads bowed, you might be sitting here thinking, it all sounds good, but I don't even know this person, Jesus, about whom you speak. The good news is that there's never a bad day to make a great decision, and today, you can say, I want to accept Jesus into my life so that I can get to work on a kingdom plan that I know will never be thwarted. If that is you, and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Lord and Savior, just lift your hand really high. We would love to pray with you in this moment. Amen. If you're live streaming, and maybe you made that decision this morning. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for living a life that I should have lived, for dying a death that I should have died in my place, and for rising on the third day, proving that you are the Son of God. Thank you, Lord. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And today I choose to turn away from everything the Bible calls sin and to follow you with my whole heart. Today I choose you as Lord of my life. For those of us who remain who know you, Lord, as Savior already, God, I pray with a renewed freshness that we would get to work empowered by the way you've uniquely designed us before we were formed in our mother's womb, you knew us. Help us to be empowered by that promise that you've called us to fulfill a purpose that, that only we can do. I pray to you, Lord, that if, <laughs> if we find ourselves like Tommy from the sitcom Martin, saying we got a job when we ain't got one, Help us to get off that sideline and get to work because you've called us to do something special. Help us to ask the question, Lord, what might you want to do in and through us to change the world? Help us to imagine what the body of Christ would look like when everyone is looking for how they might serve another and ultimately serve you. What a community might look like when we get to work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do have one announcement before I sit down. Um, Will kind of alluded to this, which was a great segue, Will. Um, We are going to have our first, dare I say, guest speaker next week. He's not a guest. He's family. He's from Grace Covenant Church. His name is David Hermes. Um, He's a site pastor at Sterling, the Sterling campus of Grace Covenant. And as Will kind of outlined how we've been blessed to be in this space I should say, when I grew up in the church that my parents were privileged to steward and now have, have sent, passed on the baton to the next generation, we had, um, first of all, we met in the basement of an apartment building on Lenox Avenue in Harlem. There was like one mic, and it definitely had a cord, uh, maybe two mics. There was one bathroom, and it had a sheet that opened. We had drums with one tom-tom. There was a cymbal that was on an iron hanger, no hi-hat. You get what my paradigm was. So I, we are blessed is what I'm getting at. We've been able to start way ahead, if you will, in that regard. Um, Not ahead by anything, by means in terms of what the Holy Spirit can accomplish through any circumstance, but we've been given some tools and instruments in this current context that we live in to advance the gospel more rapidly. There's social media and there are different subscriptions that we can have to all of those things that we, by your giving, have been blessed to steward well and have been blessed by people like Grace Covenant Church, people like Pastor Adam Mabry from Alathia Church in Boston who I met in Nashville at a training, and he called me up three months later and said, we want to raise an offering for you. How much do you need? And X amount came in the mail. By Wynn Collier in town at All Souls who says, we want to bless you. How much do you need? By Divine Unity Community Church in Harrisonburg who says, we want to bless you. Come and speak. Everything's going to go to the church. What do you need? And on and on and on. Many of you who quietly online or otherwise have said, we want to sow into what's happening here. What do you need? And so next week, we get the opportunity to do that for another church plan. That's kind of where you backflip outside of your seat for the opportunity to give and sow into the ministry of another church plan. Out of a place of gratitude of what he's done for us. Our joy is to send out and we are already sending out. There's, we can talk and we will uh, talk a lot about where finances are going. We are supporting missionaries and orphanages overseas as well as locally every Tuesday, the teens that we get to feed, so forth and so on. Here yesterday, you heard that story. We also want to say, God, if you're sending him like you called us to be here, help us to sow into that ministry, And they're going to be moving to Denver, Colorado come June. And that opportunity, privilege, that we'll get to bless them when he comes next week, I pray that you embrace. Yes, they're moving to Denver, Colorado. I thought that was announced a lot, but I saw some surprises maybe of folks who know him. Uh, But yes, David and Megan Hermes will be heading. So next week, what I'm mentioning this for now is to say prayerfully consider how God might use you to sow into them as we have been sown into richly. Amen? Amen. Amen. Worship team, bless y'all. God bless y'all.